How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now host of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. We are here again today. Yay! I am so excited because it is getting so close to the holidays, and this is absolutely my favorite time of year. And I was sitting, I was like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about today? And how I do every week. And I was like, you know, I'm really not sure. So I figured we'd just chop it up. I have Charday here in the studio with me, Hello. who is my, my assistant and, and baby cousin and right-hand woman. And <laughs> my brother, Jawan, is going to come meet us shortly. He's trying to get his last term paper in yes. before, um, you know, before the Christmas break. Um, but yeah, so let's just just start right in. Hey, Charday, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing really, really good. I must say I'm... So excited. You know how I feel about the holidays. Like, Me too. house is already decorated. Christmas tree is up. Um, all types of, like, this is my absolute favorite time of year. I got my first Christmas tree. You got your first Christmas yes. tree? So, Sade just recently, well, she had a place in college, but she's moved into her first adult home. Yes. So, she <laughs> has a Christmas tree, which is awesome. Did you get a live tree? No, I didn't. You didn't? Okay. No. What'd I- you get? It was just a regular, it looks like a real tree because it sheds, honestly. Because <laughs> I'm constantly sweeping the floor around mm-hmm. it and it's getting on the skirt, but I love it. Well, good thing you don't have animals because let me tell you, when I would have a live tree all the time, having like a, my dog, well, right now my cat, Chicken George, he thinks the tool under the tree yes, is his personal playground. <laughs> like literally every day the tool is all the way across the living room because he has been pouncing through it, around it and everything. I tried to move it and he thought I was playing with him so he kept kind of shuffling it back no. towards me. I was like, no, I'm not playing. I'm no. trying to move it. He definitely <laughs> thinks it's a game but it's better than when I'd have a live tree. This year, I think we may get a live tree also because I do be have nice. a really pretty artificial tree but I switched to it, A, because my dogs thought I brought the bathroom inside. No, I swear, <laughs> they would think it was their own personal porta potty and I'd have to like be on guard for them not to pee on my tree. I think it's just a dog thing because my mom used to get mad at my dog because she bought a cute little skirt and mm-hmm. then we just saw pee stains all on the skirt. <laughs> and we're like, what? You know not to use the bathroom in the house. No, but I mean, you can't even be mad at them because it is a tree. Dogs pee on trees. trees. Yes. So come on. You brought the tree in the house. This is really your fault is how they look it, at it. I know. <laughs> But no, I mean, with the holiday time, you know, it's so crazy this year because I'm uber excited for the holidays. Um, I can't wait. What I love about it most is the family time and the food. Let me not lie. I love, you know, this year we did Thanksgiving at our house and, um, you know, we had roast beef and turkey and fried turkey and smothered turkey wings and dressing and, and, oh my God, I'm gaining five pounds just talking about it. It was awesome. 
But, you know, I look forward to the family time. I look forward to the downtime to just sit on the couch with her pajamas on all day long, um, eat good, rub our belly, take a nap, and do it all over again with a cocktail. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) I was uncomfortably full. I ate entirely too much, but I wanted to taste every single thing. That's when you know it's good, when you can have a little baby taste of everything, but your plate is still overflowing. Completely overflowed. Wait. I barely made it to dessert. Barely. <laughs> I did. I definitely made it to dessert. But um, but no, I was going to say is it's just interesting to me because to me, the holiday season is so much about family. It's so much about give back. It's so much about being thankful and grateful for mm-hmm. your blessings. And I was thinking I was on like Instagram or something and I was scrolling through and someone had posted this like funny funny post basically about how the U.S. is the only place that on Thanksgiving you spend giving thanks and being so grateful for all that you have. And then the day after, you go crazy knocking people out the way to buy all of this stuff you probably really don't need that you just said you were grateful for. So I feel it's really interesting, like, that kind of juxtaposition, the dichotomy of that. First you say, I'm thankful. Then nowadays, they don't even wait till Friday. Like, the sales start, like, Thanksgiving. Midnight. On, Not even. Some they people start are in like, line early. They start like in Thanksgiving. Like I don't comprehend how you forego Thanksgiving dinner with your family on a day you're supposed to be thankful mm-hmm. to go stand in line for a door buster. <laughs> so James is in here. You know, he's always here. Our engineer, right hand man of Candidly Keisha. And he's laughing. So we're going to we're going to call on you a little bit too uh, today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the sale started at like four. Okay. Where's your mic, James? You know how this works. James is like, why are you doing this It's right here. Okay. (laughs) So what were you saying? The sale started? The sale started at like uh, 4 o'clock because me and my wife were like, what? Because we were watching the uh, Macy's uh, Day Parade, which we always like, we have a thing. We do cider and donuts and all that. And through the, uh, the whole thing, it was like... Doorbuster, you know, H.H. Greg or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. at four o'clock. And it's like, oh, it's not even Friday. That's my thing. I feel like, you know, they've taken the family, they've taken the give back, they've taken the sense of being grateful and thankful mm-hmm. out of the holidays and have made it this like crazy thing. Like, I like a sale like the best. I'm, I like a sale. You know that. I do too. But, but come on. What were you going to say? Give thanks, be eat, give us your money. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. That was so good. And the other crazy thing that, you know, I ran into, you know, just looking at this whole holiday season and what it's really about and about family, about give back. And I have to at least address all that's going on in the world. You know, mm-hmm. we've had so much, whether it's, you know, with the Paris bombings and, you know, ISIS and so much hatred based things going yeah, on a lot. that it's it's kind of crazy that in 2015, almost 2016, people are still behaving like this. People are still acting in such ways of intolerance and 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 just honestly ignorance if you ask me. Yeah. And what made me think about this even more so is the fact that in the past probably two or three months I was really kind of speechless in you know, a lot of times people make racism be over there or it's these people over here. And right now it's very much turned into like the Muslims versus the Christians versus mm-hmm. this. But I've found that it's kind of in a lot of forms. Um the fact that I've been called a nigger, and not a nigger, like my nigger. No, I'm saying a nigger with an E-R on it. Yeah. In the past two months is amazing. Like, I don't understand it. I was the first time 
I was driving down 85 and got in a little fender bender. I was, it wasn't my fault. wasn't my fault. <laughs> I was driving my truck and I got rear-ended. So it was a three-car accident. It was two ladies and then, well, it was three ladies. Well, the three oh, of right. us, mm-hmm. myself. Um, so the other two ladies were white. Me being the only black person, I was North Georgia, like going toward, I'd never heard of Hushton before, but it's like flowery branch going mm-hmm. up toward like Chateau Elan, past Lake Lanier. And we're standing on the side of the road, just, you know, kind of like, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, that sort of thing, standing outside the car. Mm-hmm. And the reason the accident happened is there was traffic um, and the traffic had stopped and the ladies behind us didn't realize, so they hit me. And so the traffic going the other direction, we're standing out there and this person yells at the window, this man, he was like, it's a white man's world, nigger. And then it, oh my God. So the craziest thing about it is I looked around like, who is he talking to? <laughs> I'm sorry. I swear I looked behind me and was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Then I was like, oh shit, I'm the only nigger out here. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it is. It's not, but... I I really, really... And then the two ladies looked at me. Their faces turned beet red. And they were like, did he just say that? And I was like... I had to chuckle. I was like, actually, he really did. And it really caught me off guard because I wasn't bothering anybody. I was literally just standing standing on the side of the road, you know, waiting for the police to come, you know, to assess the accident and... This gentleman, no provoking, no nothing, just decided to drive by on the highway, roll his window down as he sped by, and tell me it's a white man's world nigger. That is crazy. It's actually funny to be in 2015 and people still think like that. Like, it's funny to me because I can't believe people are still that ignorant. And I, I, in my opinion, it's starting to get to the point where it's no longer you can really say it's a racism thing. Yeah. It's more of a cultural thing because we're mixed up. There's so many races. You can't really oh, wait, just... Can I co- tell you the craziest mm-hmm. part about it? I don't mean to cut you off. No, I good. looked at him. This guy had a little bit of complexion to him. I was like, you may want to check your family tree. Right. Because clearly you got a little <laughs> black in you because you, you're not you're not blonde haired, blue eyed. I'm sorry to tell you. And, and it's winter. So you clearly <laughs> don't have a tan. And it was funny, I was telling James that we're sitting here talking about it before we started, and James was like, what? I I still just can't believe it. I mean, it's... I'm still in, kind of in this disbelief. I just don't believe, you know, in 2015 that people think this way. I mean, and it, it, right. I mean, it not it's just a black-white thing anymore. I mean, there's so many cultures. Yes. So many cultures. And the thing, and you can't tell by looking at any one person what they are. At this point, we're all such a melting pot. Like, you know, James here in the studio, look at him and be like, oh, he's a random white guy. You know, average Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian. Chicano. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing you know, he's talking about his Mexican upbringing and, you know, praying and to the Virgin Mary and doing the whole thing. And, you know, and it's, it's funny because you really never know what someone's background is. Um, just how you never know what someone's going through in their life by simply looking at them. True. Um, but I don't know. Like, I don't even know at this point what the solution is. And, you know, that's why I was like, the, what I can do right now is at least share my story and, and, and let people know what is going on out there and just at least start the conversation, the dialogue, and hopefully let people know that words do hurt. Like, that's not okay. They do hurt. 
And, you know, I don't know if he thought uh, what thought process was, because if I knew, then I would agree with that thought process. But even in our everyday, just being more aware of the words we use and how we talk to people, because, you know, in one instance, it may be calling someone a nigger, but then in another, you know, it's equally hurtful to call someone stupid or call someone, you know, whatever. Um, what were you going to say, James? Oh, no, I just, I think it just comes down to uh, ignorance almost, yeah. or, or, or maybe there's something that they don't like about themselves. Maybe yeah. I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a whole range of things, but, um, it makes me feel a little bit sad for them because I think they're missing out mm. on a lot. You know, I mean, you can't just, I mean, prejudice is prejudging, you know, and that person didn't do anything. That person didn't choose to be, they were born the way they were born, right. you know, but I think um, people should kind of take a step back and, and, and see what cultures have to offer. I mean, they have a lot to offer. Because we are so much more alike than we are different. Because yep. we even joke about that. Like, it's the same in, you know, your family. You eat a whole bunch of food. You yep. <laughs> you sit back. You probably drink a little too much. Yep. And, <laughs> and it's about a family. But we still share that commonality. And in so many cultures, that commonality, that thread weaves throughout, but we choose to pick out what makes us different. True. So I, later when my brother Jawani gets here, I know he hates when I call him that, um, I, I want to talk more about this. And I want to talk about a recent experience that we had literally last month, his birthday, he turned 21. And we were so excited to, you know, take him out for him to show his first, his ID for the first time. He's been kicking it way before 21. <laughs> but to be able to do it legally. And if you live in Atlanta, and like in a lot of cities, there's kind of an area where the black people kick it and then the white people kick it. It's very kind of segregated. Mm. Even though we have a black mayor, we have a black president of the country, you know, all of these different things. So you would think that things would be a little more inclusive um, and more tolerant and more allowing. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are definitely going to kind of talk about the story that happened uh, just last month right here in Atlanta, Georgia. So you are listening to Candidly Keisha. Thank you so much. Keep, keep listening because we have more to come. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. We have a surprise pop-in guest, my mommy. Hey, mommy. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Hi. So while we were sitting here, I was feeling mom in and what we were talking about, you know, my recent experiences with racism in 2015. Um, and I was, cause I didn't even, I didn't realize that I didn't tell you about when I was driving and that whole thing. And I was pulled along the side of the road and the person drove by and was like, it's a white man, that whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, so, and she reminded me that when we were little living in New Jersey, we had a similar incident. You can tell the story, mom. Yeah, I was um, where we lived in, in Piscataway, New Jersey area, and I was driving through, riding home, and got pulled over, driving while black. But <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, the police officer, you know, was asking me for my information, and as I was sitting in the in the car, someone drove by and was like, "Get them, boys!" out the window to the police officer, you know, referring to you know that he had pulled me over. Yeah, it's crazy though because. That was how many years ago? That was probably like that 20 was, years yes. ago or more. And we were just talking 
about, you know, shared stories that people have and how it makes you feel in the process of it. So, James, you said you had one? Actually, this is a story about uh, just kind of a cult- cultural thing, and it's just kind of interesting. Um, you know, as I told you, I have Mexican mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom's Mexican, and uh, we would go to, to Mexico and visit uh, holidays, things like that. And um, this uh, one time, my uh, mom's engagement ring, the diamond, fell out. And I don't know if you know how much you know about Mexican culture, and um, but uh, my grandmother was, you know, old school Monterey, Mexico, mm-hmm. um, Dolores Torres, uh, and she has like four names. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's really cool because, like, in Mexican families, you take the mother's name, right? It's yeah, the yeah. you have your name. It's you keep the mother of the like. Can you explain it? I'm sorry. Uh, it's kind of more of a sp- uh, Spanish thing, but yeah, you take the name like the the. Uh, the name, like my mom was Maria Luisa Almaguer Torres. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was like my, my um, uh, grandmother's family name, too, so they kind of pieced those together. Okay. Um, but they're extremely, extremely religious and uh, very Catholic, but somehow there's like some really big superstitious stuff going on. Okay. I mean, like, I don't know if you're, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty intense. But my, my grandmother um, had like every saint, like I didn't even know some of these saints existed, but in their bedroom, they had mm-hmm. this big, big table, had all the saints. So my mom had lost this diamond to her, her engagement ring. And you know, I'm missing thought it was this big house. Like who knows where this thing is? So she's, she took us all in and, uh, said all this stuff in so fast in Spanish. I couldn't understand. And, um, uh, she went to this one saint and it's a saint that had this little baby and you could see where she took a knife and like pried this baby out of the saint's hands and he's like the saint of lost things or something. I can't remember what the saint's name. And she basically told him like, hey, my, my uh, daughter lost her, her diamond, you know, her ring. You know, help us find it and you'll get your baby back. Oh, <laughs> she extorted the, the saint yeah. for the ring? But I, 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 I kid you not, within, within like an, an hour, they found it. And then she went back and made us all go in there and said these prayers and gave him his baby back. Wow. I believe in angels and saints, and I believe in that. Like, you ask them, I don't know if you have to, like, hold porcelain baby's ransom for it, but (laughs) I do believe in, you know, asking your angels and God for the guidance to help you in finding things or, you know, whatever it is you're, you're doing in life. I do believe that they come through and they help you. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think Sometimes so you have to be real specific with what you ask for. Yeah, God got jokes, for real. Yeah. They have jokes. <laughs> but, um, well, he has he, she, whatever you, however the universe, whatever you decide to call um, the higher being has jokes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. One, and one, one last thing on that. Uh, I don't really speak Spanish that much anymore, but I grew up speaking it. And for some reason... Um, uh, when I sl- uh, talk in my sleep, mm-hmm. it's all in Spanish. That's hilarious. It freaks my wife out. <laughs> She's I like, did. who just broke into our house? <laughs> There's somebody talking and I don't know who this is. No, she, she, yeah, it, it, yeah, it wakes her up and she wakes, yeah, it's, but I can imagine that would freak me out too. Yeah. Like if she just started talking in Russian or something, yeah. you'd be like, what? Who is, in my bed? who is this? Who is in my bed? But that's crazy. There are a lot of different, you know, and every, and we were also talking about the commonalities and, you know, that whole thing. And growing up, mom, having spent so much time, I mean, granted, it's not that much time on earth because you're still young. You're still fine. You still got it. (laughs) But mom was originally born in Montgomery, Alabama. And then she's pretty much spent her whole life in, you know, New Jersey. Jersey, And then we moved to Northern Virginia and now in Georgia. Have you seen, like, what has your experience been? And do you feel as though 
where, granted, there there's still some of those idiots, and I'm going to call them that, ignorant idiots out there who who act in this manner. But what have have you seen there be growth? Like, or what is the the transition been? Well, yes, and I've seen a lot of growth, and but um, a lot has to do with the where you live because. Mm-hmm. Most people think the South Mm -hmm. and think, you know, prejudice, racism, whatever. But it's so prevalent in the Northeast, it's just that they're not as outward with theirs as people are in the South. You know, in the South, you'll know if someone doesn't like you. In the Northeast, you won't. They'll smile. Exactly. You know, and and you won't. But, yeah, there has been, you know, a lot of growth as Mm -hmm. far as we've come a long way. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do this, because it's not just about, you know, saying like, oh, everyone is, you know, this hatred is so prevalent and what have you. But I do feel that in order to eradicate something, you have to acknowledge it. I feel that you have to share the stories. You have to tell the experiences because there may be someone listening to this podcast who may have used those words and now may understand the impact of them or now may understand, you know, why they should make a different choice next time. But if we act like it doesn't exist, there's no room to improve upon it. There's no room to start the dialogue to to find out, because really, I agree with, you know, everything you've said that. It has a lot to do with not knowing, with ignorance, and with fear of the unknown. Um, The last story I definitely want to tell about this was the second story that happened um, just last month with my youngest brother, Juwan, who's on his way to the studio. And we went out to celebrate his his 21st 21st birthday birthday. right here in the Buckhead Bar. So we said, you know, let's do something different. We'll just go bar hopping. So we got a group of our friends together. Probably, there were a lot of us. There were probably about 15 to 20 of us deep. But these are all educated, um, you know, college graduates with jobs. And yes, the majority of us were African-American. But in no way, you know, a lot of times people try to say, come on in. A lot of times, you know, people try to say, that it's because you were being, you were acting ignorant as a black person or you were dressed inappropriately or you handled yourself in a manner that deserved the treatment that you received. So I'm giving you this caveat, not to say that those, like people who maybe aren't using the best grammar or the best language or have their pants sagging, I'm not saying that anyone deserves it, but I'm just giving you this caveat so that you know it wasn't a matter of, oh, you acted in a way to deserve something. So we approached, we approached the first bar, and it was called Hangovers. It's right there on Roswell Road. Um, I'm even going to—I'll even say the address to, to this place, just so you all can know. Um, you bear with me as I'm um, finding this in Buckhead. So we, we, we approached the bar and we actually made sure that we waited until midnight so that it would be the morning of his birthday. And we were so excited and he was so very excited to go. Um, we, we, get to, we get to the front of the line and there's you know the bouncer there. He's a white guy. And we, it's cold out this night because it's November. So we have on like overcoats and, you know, dressed appropriately. I had on like a pair of Uggs, some jeans and a coat. My brother, Juwan, whose birthday it was, had on probably some shoes, some black jeans, a T-shirt with his um, winter overcoat over it. And we get there and then one of the gentlemen, I guess, too, he checks the ID and we're like, oh, yeah, ah, 
and I take a picture with my phone of him getting his ID checked. And the gentleman to the left said, looks at him and says, you need to pull your pants up. Mind you, you can't see his pants. Mind you, he has a coat on. So my brother Jawan was like, you know, not a problem. His pants weren't sagging, but he said, you know what? I'm just going to tighten my belt for this person. If that's an issue, he tightens his belt and then proceeds to go in. And he says, no, you still, you can't come in. And we're like, at this point, it's like, well, what do you mean we can't come in? We haven't done anything. We have our proper ID. My brother, first of all, he's of age. His pants, you couldn't even see if they were sagging, but they weren't. He pulled them up in the event just to, to appease you. And then my, my brother under me, JP, gets a little hot about it because he said, well, help me understand. You asked him to pull his pants up. He pulled his pants up and they weren't even down. So help me understand what's going on here. So at this point, you know, it's a lot of us. So everyone's kind of like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? He's like, you need to leave. You need to leave now. So at that point, people did get inflamed. And we're like, and in, but in everything that was said, it was definitely, you're dealing with professional people who are all college educated. So in no way was it profanity. It was it cussing people out. Was it any of these things? It was really, I need answers because this is crazy. So as we're, we're like, at this point, I'm just like pushing on her. I'm like, listen, don't worry about it. We'll take our money elsewhere because clearly you don't want our business. So we leave. And then they even, he calls one of the cops up and his name, let me see, G. Lindsay. I remember his name. It was an African-American cop. And the thing that bothered me the most about it is the white manager turns to G. Lindsay, the Atlanta police officer, and says, have you ever worn your pants hanging off your butt? And then he says, no, no, I don't. And then he's like, well, if you, if he says you have to leave, you have to leave. And so the cop then backs up the gentleman who's clearly being racist toward us. The Af- and he called the African-American cop specifically. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is we didn't break any rules. We didn't do anything wrong to not to be denied entry. So as we're leaving at this point, so there's a scene at this point. So as we're leaving, there are two white gentlemen in line behind us who then proceed to start calling us niggers. Oh, dang. And as we're leaving. So, you know, at this point, you have black people who are already upset and these white people are trying to are calling you niggers. It, it becomes it escalates a little more at this point. I'm not going to lie. Like my God brother who's there was like, who the you know, who the fuck are you calling a nigger? Like, what are you talking about? And then, so he, because we had our wallets out to show our ID, my cut, like, we're putting our stuff back. He's like, oh, what, you're going to pull a gun on me? You're going to pull a gun on me? And we're like, what do you, no, I'm putting my ID back in my pants because we're leaving. But the thing that was the most heartbreaking of it, this whole scene was witnessed outside of the club. And mind you, people were recognizing me at this point. Like, oh, my God, Kishnei Pulliam, can I? And I'm like, you know what, now is not the time. (laughs) Right now is not the time for a picture. You know, I'm sorry. So... After denying us entry for, of, under false accusations, the people who were calling us niggers in line, the manager at Hangovers allowed in. Where do they do that? So then it gets better. Yeah, what were you going to say, Mom? No, I was going to say that's because that's their own little, basically, private club. But the thing is, it's a strip of bars, and yes, it's mostly frequented by young college-age white kids, but in this country, there's no, like, they were, and I know if it happened to us, they do this regularly. It was clear that they didn't want black people there. 
because we went to another club. So Hangovers is at um, 3188 Roswell Road. 3188 Roswell Road in Atlanta, Georgia. The bar is called Hangovers. I can't remember the next bar we went to. It was a couple doors down. And at this point... Mind you, it's cold outside. So the Buckhead bars, if you ever, there's like an outdoor kind of portion and then there's an indoor portion, but it's really, really casual. So again, I have on a pair of Uggs, jeans, and like a button-down flannel shirt with a coat. Um, Everyone is pretty much dressed in that vein. Um, It's not somewhere you wear heels to. It's definitely a very casual, low-key sort of thing. Second place we go to. My, we all, everyone almost gets in. We're like, okay, cool. We're just going to go. We're going to have a fun time. We're at the bar. We're ordering some shots at this point. So then my middle brother, Michonne, who's also been on the show, and his friend Greg and a few of his friends come in. And if you, y'all don't know Michonne, but Michonne is is Mr. Him and his friends are Mr. Mr. GQ. GQ. I promise. Their pants are always a little too tight. I swear they, (laughs) no, I swear they must point their toes every morning to put them in them, put them, put them on. But they always look nice. There's nothing baggy. There's nothing (laughs) urban. There's nothing, anything. He's an engineer in corporate America type of thing. So... Then they come to the next bar's door. Then this bar, he says, the bouncer goes, and it's always they pick one person out of the group because I know they feel like if they pick one, then no one will come in. So they pick Greg, his friend Greg this time. Greg has on a denim shirt with denim jeans, and he has on, you know, like those duck boots because, again, it was cold out this evening. Mm-hmm. So they're not Timberlands. They're not any. They're like he's a horticulturist is what he does as a living. So he has on duck boots because he, you know. So they say, you can't come in because you have on boots. Mind you, we look around the patio, which is outdoors. I have on boots, and several other people have on boots. Probably about 50% of the people who are on the patio have boots on. They're just not black. And their boots are just like his. And, right. So, at this point, my brother JP says, okay, you can't wear boots. That's your rule. But all these people are in here with boots on. So he goes to get one of the bar goers, a white gentleman, who he says, listen, this is what's going on. The guy's like, sure, I'll come. Not a problem. So, and what to say about this is everyone isn't like this. So the gentleman doesn't know us from Adam, comes with his boots on, and he shows to the bouncer, he's like, look, I'm wearing boots. What's wrong? What's the problem? The guy goes, oh, you just got yourself kicked out. <laughs> you can't, you need to leave. But let me tell you what the mm. guy's response was. The guy, the, the guy who my brother went, the white guy, looked at him. He was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm finishing my beer. Turned around, walked off, disregarded. The bouncer said nothing else to him. Wow. Meanwhile, he's still not letting our friend in. And so at that point, I said, excuse me, sir, what's your name? He said, Joey. I said, Joey, what's your last name? Huh, Joey, Joey. <laughs> mm. And at that point, we turned and we left. And that's my story. And, you know, something needs to be done about it because it's not okay. It's not fair. It's not fair to marginalize people. It's not p- fair to, b- to pick, you know, people out. And they could try to make it say, they could try to make it seem as though it was about a dress code issue, but it had nothing to do with that. It was absolutely a black issue. That was just as bad as they have a sign up saying, you know, no blacks allowed. Right. And if you look if you look at the things that they say, like, no baggy this, no, it's very tailored to a specific demographic that they're trying to exclude. But my thing is when, okay, fine, I get it, it's your establishment. You can have a dress code places. But when people adhere to that dress code and you still, you know, deny them entry based on, in your mind, technicalities that don't hold across the board. 
Like you're saying this person can't come in with boots when 50% of your clientele is outside in boots. I've already gotten in and I was wearing boots. Then you tell me what that is. No, no, no. I mean, I don't, I don't know. This isn't about knowing what the answer is. I'm simply sharing my story. Simply sharing my story. But we're going to take a break here because, you know, we got to end things on a good note. You know, we've talked about this, but the truth of the matter is there are so many people out there doing great things who are giving regardless of color, regardless of socioeconomic background, race, religion, you know, all of these different things. So stay tuned to Candidly Keisha. We're going to talk about some inspiration that's going on out there. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. Um, You know, we've talked about all of the people who are not so much in the holiday spirit, but I feel it's really important to end things on a high note and talk about all of the people who are about give back, who are about pay it forward and really embodying what this season means. So we finally have my baby brother, Jawani, who we talked about earlier. He is calling in on the phone. Hey, Jawani. What's going on? What's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much. I was telling them earlier the story about... Um, what happened to us on your 21st birthday when we went to the Buckhead Bars. And oh, man. Yeah. You can give a little, I mean, you can just, even if you want to just say how that experience made you feel, but I want to move on past that. So how did that experience make you feel? All right. I mean, I don't want to say it was my first experience with something as blatantly racist as that. But it was definitely a mood killer. Being that it was my 21st, we were just trying to go out and have a good time, you know, finally do it the legal way. <laughs> and folks want to kill our vibe. And it was really unfortunate because I don't know if Keith kind of gave the rundown, but what happened was... Oh, I gave the whole story. You don't have oh, to recount. Right, and, well, yeah. and I so, gave the address to hangovers in case anyone wanted to complain. Oh, oh you, no, y'all should. Actually, you know, bringing in my education at Morehouse, I actually had a marketing class that um, tells the power of social media. So please, go on there, write reviews. Don't lie, but write reviews, and um, we'll see if we can get this problem cleared up one bar at a time and one venue at a time. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm also going to make sure that I give the phone number. I did give the address previously to the bar hangovers, but before the end, I'll have the telephone number as well so that you all can call and voice your displeasure if you would like to. Because I don't oh, know. I they a, were messing with a, the um, wrong family this time. Name. What'd you say? I saw the cop's name in my Yeah, um, G. Lindsay. We already, we already said his to. name. Hmm? We already said G. Lindsay's name. So oh, okay. let's... So, We'll, we'll get back to that, but let's talk about some of the, the great things that I know you're doing. You do a lot with mentorship. You do a lot with give back. Um, anything, what's, what, what, what have you done most recently? Um, all right, so most recently, um, we actually did the one Atlanta mission. Yeah, uh, you did the Atlanta mission with us. We did, a, did the Atlanta mission. Um, we had clothes for a clothes drive. Actually, we're, I'm still collecting them. Um, uh, every winter, well, around every, you know, Christmas season, um, we pack a whole bunch of uh, clothes up, put them in the back of the car, and literally just go out and, and hand them out. Right. Um, no kind of shelters or is really just like 
homeless people on the street. Yeah, you and Michonne like, do okay, that a lot. Do you need a shirt? Do you need a, some sweatpants? Do you need this, that, and so forth? And um, actually, Michonne and I both have a, a kind of a ritual of doing that every Christmas. Right. And it really just kind of became natural. Um, as far as school is concerned, of course, there's all the different groups that are doing, like, the, that did the Thanksgiving and different things like that, and yeah. still the closed eyes. Right. And, oh, and let me, thank you for saying that. I want to thank Spelman College for donating baskets to Camp Kizzy this year. Um, they're going to help feed many families, not only for Thanksgiving, but also for Christmas. So mm-hmm. we're really appreciative of my alma mater, Spelman College, um, and my god sister, Kayla Hunter, over there was very much instrumental in, in uh, getting those baskets from the Bonner office, which is, I was a Bonner scholar, um, but I know, uh, excuse me? Yeah, it came, the student government. The student government. Student government. Okay, yeah, I know Bonner does one mm-hmm. as well, but it was the student government at Spelman College who contributed it, and I really appreciate it. So, and, and Juwan, you speak to something really important that it's not always about having to give to a specific organization or, you know, do something that, it doesn't always, it can be as easy as collecting clothes and, and shoes and socks and food and just giving them out. Definitely. Just giving so, them out. That's, that's a, that's our, I guess right. you can say, uh, influence every year. Are you and still? And we actually, we do it throughout the year, kind of, yeah. it depends. It's are, not really just a seasonal thing. Are you still mentoring because um, I know you do a lot of work with the kids in um, elementary school and middle school and going and talking to them and, and helping them with homework and stuff. Are you still working on that? Actually, yes. I just finished um, for, uh, we have an LPD class at Morehouse, a leadership and professional development. Mm-hmm. And me and six other uh, classmates, um, we volunteered at Hateville Academy, yes. which is right off of Bussington Road. Um, there was actually different service sites around the city that we can choose from, but one of my classmates actually graduated from Hayville, mm-hmm. and he and he decided to go outside of the our, our choices and go back to his old high school. And for over like a technically a semester, um, we went every Friday and we talked to the kids about literally everything from stuff that we learned and that we went through, and just pass it on to them to college applications to. Any question that they had to have about college that they didn't feel like they could ask their teacher or they could ask their professor or whatever it was, and um, we went and talked to them, and it was awesome. It was nice. crazy to see how much you, we actually saw what we were teaching them, what we were telling them hit them. Like yeah, you saw first. how it impacted them over time because you were there for a whole semester. So they were able to take the information, and you were able to also see them Put that into action. Yep. So that's really that's special. Exactly what happened. And Juwan, <clears throat> Juwan also helps out with my. This past year, I started my boys' program, Project James, and him and and uh, Jewel. Jewel. You know, I was trying to think of his real name because I, yeah, I was thinking of his. Juice. <laughs> yeah, they y'all call him Juice. I was like, okay, I can't call this boy Juice on the air. I got to give his real name. <laughs> yeah, but Jewel Brown. Jewel, Jewel Brown. Over Jewel State. was was awesome. He's a Georgia State. A student, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being such an amazing example. And I know I'm I'm biased because you are my baby brother, but I really applaud you and I appreciate all that you do to to redefine 
the stereotype of African-American men, because there are a lot that are doing amazing things out here. And, you know, just continue to pay it forward. I love you and I appreciate you. And um, in closing, I'll just say, um, I'll give the address to this uh, hangovers, this 13, oh, th- sorry, excuse me, 3188 Roswell Road, and their number is 404 846 8989. And if you would like to call and complain about the injustices that we have explained to you, please do. This has been Candidly Keisha. Um, we'll have another Amazeballs podcast for you next week. So please continue to tune in. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.